Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood for the BF Goodrich TAKM3. Built to climb, made to mud, and created to conquer. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? Aaron Hapgood, Patrick Dangefield joining you this morning. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show. Now, Redmond, we're close to Queenscliff boat ramp this morning, which means we're close to a train line, which you can hear in the background. <laughs> we can. It's quite loud, isn't it? It's a bit cold outside. Yeah, well, uh, but, you I think know. it's the Blues train that uh, runs up and down the Ballerine Peninsula, Peninsula, I guess you could say, and you can go on there and have a brewski. I've never been on it, but I reckon it's unreal. Well, you know, just trying to get into the outdoors this morning. And, it's absolutely um, freezing It's cold. <laughs> could have done it at my house in front of the heater, but no, we're at the ramp. We spoke last week to Ronald from Fishing the Outdoor World, and he's saying it was getting very cold in Darwin, got down to 17 overnight. Um, um, I'll tell you what we currently are if uh, I hit that button. <laughs> I think we're at about, what are we at, 7? Yeah, it's just now, yep, 8 degrees exactly, feels like 4. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where are we? You spoke off the top of the show last week talking yep. about um, the weather and winter not being a reason to not go fishing. Yeah, well, while I'm sitting here, I'm taking that back. <laughs> it's bloody freezing uh. this morning. Um, in all seriousness, you got a dog this week. I did. Man's best friend. We got Kari and I, uh, my partner, and we, uh, we've been wanting to get a dog for a while now, and we decided to... To lash out and get one. We weren't a fan of getting a really big breed of dog, so we got a real small breed of dog. And um, yeah, welcome our 15 kilo Great Dane at 10 weeks old. <laughs> Is it seriously a Great Dane? Great Dane. 15, it's, oh, it's nearly probably 11 weeks now, and it's just over 15 kilo. And he's paws, Pat. I'm not joking you one bit. Put your palm out right now, not if you're driving, but it is the same size as my. It's, the poor guy can barely walk because his feet, he's got to grow into his feet. But the positive note, the reason I got the Great Dane is because I can take him out fishing and catch an extra 20 wide and don't have to feed him that night. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) So, if your car breaks down, he'll be able to tow the boat? Well, that was half the reason. What towing rates he... he, um... I'm in changeover car at the moment. That's the reason. Once he grows up, chuck a saddle on his back and he'll pull the uh, 2100 Stabie, no worries, down the road, I reckon. Just a couple of straps either side. Don't even need safety chain. Doesn't even need tail lights. <laughs> Did you get in the water over the weekend? Uh, during the week? no, it's I, been a it's it's been a challenging week. You've oh, been a bit busy. I spoke like you said at the start of the show. I uh, spoke about winter being such a great fishery, and um, we speak about Victoria. What Pat would you say being one of the best now? Don't get me wrong. Around Australia, I spoke. I messaged you the other week and said I want to go to Exmouth. It just looks amazing. But people are travelling all around the world to come fish Victoria, and the amount of swordfish that got caught or and lost. Yeah, 
over the past week and so or so is just astonishing. Pat, it is fish up to close to 300 kilo. There's bigger ones down there I spoke about. So there's swordfish on the coast. People are deep dropping. They're catching ling, harpuka, um, blue-eyed travella, um, absolutely everything off the bottom there, and makos as well. And then you come down to Welshpool, Port Welshpool. There was kings still off Port Welshpool caught on during the week, and like some nice kingfish too. Some bigger models that couldn't get caught. That temp's a bit low, so it might be a bit harder to fire them up. But if you do, you're going to have an awesome session. So Port Welshpool, the gummy sharks at Port Welshpool, Flathead. Then you come into my stomping grounds in Port Phillip Bay. The whiting is just... That water temp's about to cross over. I think it, if it hasn't already, it's the whiting absolutely fantastic. And then you go off Barwon Heads and the snapper, the snapper run are going crazy out there. Then you push down the coast towards Portland and we're going to get Chris Vasileski on the whip around in a, uh, coming up in after a couple of breaks. And his weekend down there, we're going to let him tell us about it, but some anglers down there had barrel tuna, mako sharks, snapper, gummy sharks, school sharks, and I should say gummies and schoolies for back home too uh, during the week as well with that beautiful northerly wind we had uh, all week. So there's plenty on offer to do. It actually hasn't been that cold either, has it, Pat? Like, mm. it's cold now, but we're early morning. But during, what we have 23 degrees during the week. Like, yep. it's been really, really good. So there's plenty of fish biting, so don't put the boat away yet. Uh, unfortunately, a place where there hasn't been too many fish biting is the NT and the Barra Nationals. Yes. And our great mate, Bomber Farrell joins us now to talk us through what's been a really difficult week. Bomber, let me run through some numbers for you. 213 competitors, five days, 200 barra. This is a text you sent me uh, a couple of hours ago. Jeez, it's been a tough week for the guys up in the NT. Uh, mate, it's absolutely unbelievable. The uh, Club Marine Insurance Barra Nationals was uh, probably one of the toughest ones I'd say on history in the 24 years the competition's been going. It was Absolutely amazing. Uh, I wasn't actually competing this year, but we were fishing with um, with the Club Marine boys, just um, looking after those guys for the week and going around checking out all the guys and see how they're going. And a lot of guys struggled all week, didn't catch a fish. Uh, some some teams never caught a fish collectively for five days. The uh, the water levels. We were speaking during the week, and you said um, the feedback you've been given. It's the lowest just about that's been seen there mm. massive influence over it absolutely um these like the top end as much as these like famous rivers are so many barramundi uh without a wet season um it doesn't happen if fish don't come up the river there's no real reason for them to come up in numbers so the little bit of feed that is around is you know the fish that are there there's not many of them there'll be a few residential fish or a few fish that get stuck somewhere um at the moment it's very, very tough going, that's for sure. And it's this side of um, the territory as well. So for the competition side, not saying that the top uh, over towards the east and the south and the Marion that have been catching fish over there, but when there's a tournament like this, a huge tournament, it's uh, yeah, pretty disappointing. Bomber, for the fish that are actually getting caught, what's working the best? Is there something that's standing out that bit more than anything else? Not really. The fish were spread out all through the system. There was nowhere that was definitely like, you know, the S's or no fish. Like, they held some fish, but there were fish caught at Lizzie. There were fish caught down at um, Alligator, uh, the Tacklebox, and down at Clear. 
and even up the top on the last day of the comp, um, a lot of boats stayed near home. I'm not too sure that was mainly due to headaches from the night before. Um, <laughs> and, and, and trying to get, get into it again for the last night. But uh, they, they caught a lot of small fish up the top here. And um, even around Browns, this was really bizarre. Like, the guys are running like, a lot of technology these days. And you see heaps of hummingbird, especially after the boys that won last year, just sort of demonstrated how good it was to have that technology. Absolutely struggling to just mark up any fish at all. And um, the team that came second got a metre 12 and an 84 in the last day at Browns, which is only you know 20 minutes down the river. Um, out of the big snag there. Everyone had been fishing and the fish had just drifted in and yeah, they were pretty fortunate to get the only meter he caught for the whole trip. Did that test uh, your positivity? There's no one that fishes with more enthusiasm. You might, have, you would have been in need of a beer by the end of day five. Uh, yeah, there was a couple consumed, that's for sure. Um, it is hard, mate, but the thing is, when you're fishing a river like this, um, and, and the guys who are like get pretty serious, mate, you're only honestly one cast away from something ridiculous happening. Um, and, mate, the, the Barra Classic that was fished about a month ago, the, the guy that won the champion angler, he actually, I don't know if you've heard, he, he caught a metre 20 and uh, won champion angler with that one fish and the only fish he caught for the week, and that was basically taking out a bird's nest in the middle of the river, winding up the lure, and he just got nailed right next to the boat. So, when those stories kick around, you yeah, Never too far away from something spectacular happening with a fish of a lifetime. Bomber Farrell for Real Brand Fishing Apparel. Thanks for the report, Bomber. Anytime, my friend. You take it easy. Thanks, Bomber. Nearly lost me in voice. Yeah, what happened there, Patrick? Just a couple of things before we head into the... That's a, that's a tough day. Oh, that's a tough five-day competition. It is. And 200 fish in five big days. Big money, too, like sponsors and so on. Like... You've fished in plenty of competitions. How much does that influence the following year's competition does that um, I, does that dampen the spirits for next year i've never done comps like that i've more done just fun ones with the with muck around like amateur ones just with the boys yep. i've never done serious ones i just don't that's not i don't i don't know i just don't like getting into that that it's where arguments happen so <laughs> i just stay away from those but with the boy no i don't know it's a good well what it probably i don't know would it i've got no idea what do you think do you reckon um Oh, there's no doubt it'd be like geez that was a freaking but i think hard i think those angles that are up there they probably know what to expect to they pro- like everyone we spoke to knew that it was going to be tough on the lead up to it so you think next year if they get a nice wet season you think that the positivity would be there and a bit of advertisement on the show social will drag a few more anglers there yeah no um, yeah yep. but a couple other things pat um i'll pet them back down south uh great news lake uh Parambit copped that massive storm i think they called it a tornado in the end that ripped through uh the poor town um it destroyed Everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just an update. The ramp is now open, which is great. The facilities are open too. Uh, one thing is the caravan park's still not quite right. So bear with the guys there. They're, they're really working hard to try and get the caravan park up and function again. So bear with the guys as well. Um, and once it's up and running, make sure you get down yeah, there to support it. Yeah, right, like you have to, yeah, because yeah. it's one of those places where uh, you, it, you just need to help rebuild. So yeah. you, you get down there. The fishing's probably going uh, to, you would think, I'm no super trout expert, but I know a bit about the old trout pattern. I reckon they're going to probably fire up there at uh, Parambit in the next, as this cold weather and the rain kicks in. So we'll, we might even get Trev Holmes on today if we can and uh, go through a bit of trout stuff and ask him what his thoughts on that. Uh, Coronella Boat Ramp too, Pat. Uh, Coronella Boat Ramp, sorry, down uh, Phillip Island Way. Yep. Um, that great, there. Great fishery. He's going to be, it's a great fishery down there. It's 
fish you catch down there is it's it's Western Port, so um, you've got elephant fish, you've got whiting, uh, gummy sharks all this time of the year. Obviously, snapper too. It's a really good fishery, and it's great to see. Now you had a bit of a whinge last week about the warnable boat ramp not getting enough money. Um, what was it last week? I think it was about four thousand dollars. I think it was getting rate. Uh, no, it was four hundred. Uh, sorry, four hundred thousand. Sorry, four hundred thousand dollars. My uh, question is, is how far that goes. Yeah, that's well, this one's a little bit more, so you might be a bit happier here. Uh, the Coronella boat ramp will be shut from the 27th of May onwards uh, for a period of time. Not sure exactly how long, but it doesn't say that. But 27th of May, so lock that in your diary if you're a fisherman down there. And guess how much is going to be spent on this one, the upgrades, Patrick? I'm guessing a lot. $1.5 million. Beautiful. Are you happy with that? Well... Invest in your infrastructure. So they can get two diggers there now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, lock that in your diaries if you are a Western Port angler. And 27th of May, you will be locked out of that zone for the older fishery down there. Now, Redmond, I know you love your cooking. Yes. We have a very special guest on Real Adventure. You've been excited about this one. I'm actually actually excited too, so don't go anywhere. Well, one of the great things about playing for the Geelong Football Club, probably the greatest thing, to be honest, is our wonderful chef, Ado Millman. Um, we are very, very lucky as a club to have Ado. Um, you get spoiled. We, we do get spoiled. And Ado loves his fishing. But when it comes to preparation, like, I'm not joking, we'll come in after a session, after every main session, and there's sashimi. Just sashimi. Because the great man is just an absolute the, wizard. Do you reckon that's the key to being, what, is it, what are you now, nine and one or eight and one? <laughs> do you reckon that's the key? Just the sashimi? I think it might be. <laughs> um, so Ado's going to come in and talk through preparation when it comes to catching your fish, how to look after it. And there's a few surprises in there, Redmond, um, when it comes to looking after your fish. And I I suppose a few old wives' tales in in what's always been the best way to prepare fish, it might actually surprise you. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show, as well as Twitter and Instagram to join in the conversation. Aaron Hapgood, Patrick Dangerfield joining you this morning. Glad you can pronounce your name, mate. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, the BF Goodrich TA KM3, built to climb, made to mud, and created to conquer. It's time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Yes, it is now time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Your next summer break is waiting for you at bigfour.com.au. Explore and book today. And up first is that someone that's been whinging offshore, off air, sorry, for the last 20 seconds to us, Pat. Chris Vasileski's at the Queenscliff boat ramp and he's not happy with the weed. Chris O. How you going, guys? <laughs> yeah, right. Too much seaweed around yeah. for you. Ah, oh, mate, just come back from Portland and just about to do a uh, trip out of Queenscliff and the northerlies at Queenscliff boat ramp just pushes the weed in so far. It's just ridiculous. And um, From Swan Bay. It's driving, just driving me nuts. But anyway, <laughs> Aaron, you do Aaron, what you've got to do. Aaron, let me run you some numbers. 35 tuna, one mako, 25 pinkies, gummies, bronzies, schoolies, chriso, Phenomenal weekend. Yeah, but you didn't mention the thing at the end to bring him down just that little bit. Bring him back bring him back to reality a bit, Patrick. What was that? He lost a barrel too. So just bring him back to reality a bit. Chris, great week of fishing, mate. <laughs> oh, it has. It's been an awesome week down at Portland. Um, look, it, it sounds awesome and it was awesome, but I think we were lucky we were in the right time at the right place and um, managed to get a lot of buckles and put fish on the boat where... The bites still have been hard with the full moon, where a lot of guys still struggled, but the fish are definitely there, and I think after this full moon passes, it's just going to get easier. 
But um, for our guys, it was, yeah, we were just having to be in the right place at the right time and get a couple of five ways and get the guys their bag of tuna and then go and do a bit of bottom bashing, which is actually very good at Portland this time of the year. So, yeah. Been, been I think people sometimes, as you said, people sometimes neglect that bottom fishing because of the, the tuna and the and the sharks this time of the year. Just the keys around the, the snapper um, around Portland? Um, yeah, just off the lighthouse, sort of 45, 50 metres. And we, we, were never, we were just going in to chase a gummy, and I said to the guys, well, we've got no bait, so we'll have to just get some bottom fish to use for bait. And we did one drift using... Um, a bit of tuna liver, to be honest, and ended up getting 25 pinkies on the first drift and a few a few baits that we could use, like we got a couple of barracuda and sergeant bakers that we could use for a gummy and then dropped the um, dropped the anchor and not even 20 minutes, got uh, got bitten off by a schoolie and then 25 minutes later lost the gummy at the side of the boat. So, Chris, yeah, I, I'm going to give... I'm going to be really nice right now. I'm going to give a rip and tip away. You might even know this already, Chriso, but do you know how good a pinky fillet is for school sharks, Pat? Yeah, no, I'm going to say good. They are up. How good are they, they Chriso? Yes. Good. If you are yep. targeting schoolies down the coast, Patrick, it is a rip of bait, isn't it, Chris? Bloody great. It is. It is. That's a good tip to give away, and that's a beauty. But the most impressive right. fish of the weekend, sorry guys, the most impressive fish of the weekend was probably the Mako. On a, oh yeah, um, sorry, I was meant a, to bring this up. On a night jig, yeah. On a night yeah, jig? Yeah, I, I was meant to bring it up. I spoke to Chris O during the week. Take us through that, Chris O. So we had a four-way, so the guys were winding up some fish, and um, I'm just looking down and watching these fish, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's cool, there's a few schoolies hanging around, as they do with other fish when you've got one on. So I thought, I'll get the jig out. So I've grabbed the jig, dropped down, gone jig, 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 whack, and we're on. So I've given it to the customer and gone, here you go, wind this. And he's like, mate, this thing's fighting really hard. And I'm like, oh, it's just normal, mate. They go harder when you get them on the jig, because they do, because it's a initial run. So like five, ten minutes later, I'm like, are you giving that thing a go or what? And he's like, I can't stop it. So we've sort of chased it down a little bit. And then I started thinking, oh, geez, this might be a bigger tuna. But ended up being a four-and-a-half, five-foot make, which was impressive. Chris, so just quickly, what pound leader were you using on the knife jigs for the tuna, obviously, but not to get bitten off? That's a great effort. No, well, see, it didn't really... It got him right in the top lip. Didn't sort of go in between oh, perfect. the teeth or anything like that. So it was, it was perfect, and the fish didn't jump. Like, I reckon if he had jumped, we would have lost it for sure, 100%. But, yeah, it just sort of behaved really well, and, and unlucky for him, he got a gas in the side of the... Uh, Hills, but yeah. Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. For more info on Chris and his business, visit gonefishingcharters.com.au. Thanks, Chris O. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Thanks, Chris O. That was the whip around for Big Four. Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Now it's time for the social club. Thanks to BF Goodridge Tyres. What are you building for, Travis? Oh, sorry, Red. No, I'm going to go. You're, you're, you're going to go. I've got first. a question for you, Patrick. Okay, Nathan, I'll, I'll leave Travis then. It's only because it's for you, Nathan McLean. Travis can go after. Yeah. Uh, what was the casting technique Patrick and his old man were using in the last episode of your Dometic Mobile Living traveling around the Great Ocean Road? Uh, we were fishing the Californian redwoods, Redmond, beautiful part of the world, uh, down in the Otways, and we were uh, 
Burrow and Arrow casting. So because of the the overhead coverage sort of in the Otways, it makes it really difficult to, to overhead cast. So you're sort of you're, you're sneaking under trees and you're trying to um, you know cast under little rock ledges and ask, and under um, overhanging trees. So the Burrow and Arrow cast basically you just bend the the rod over on itself and you pin. Um, you know, you, you you pin the hook between your fingers and then you just let it flick. So that's um that's the the method that we like to use. Uh, I'm, Troy, no, I'm no good at that method. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Troy Johns, uh, what's the best depth to free dive for scholars? You yell at me Raymond. for my pronunciation. That's clearly Jones. And Jones. I'm reading it upside down. <laughs> Sorry, Travis Jones. That's <laughs> Troy <Sorry>. Jones. <laughs> We're going to wrap this show up, I think. Troy Jones. What is the asks, best depth <laughs> to free dive for the scholars? Uh, Bob Jeans. <laughs> you, um, you're mad if you're diving now. It's too cold. But if you are going to dive, anything's up to your depth range. Now, the scallops you'll find from three metres right through to 20 metres in Port Phillip <laughs> Bay. I can dive down to five metres, no worries. And that's a great place to start diving for free diving for scallops outside of the Rye area. And uh, I don't know, Patrick, take um, us out of this segment. No, no, <laughs> Travis White, last question. Uh, what brand of leader do you recommend, Aaron? Just, just, to, just what do you use? I use uh, Unikita. You know, get it there. Or silver thread. It's all. Uh, yeah, it's all. It's all great, leader. <laughs> there it is. That is the social club. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure to join in the conversation. <laughs> we need to get to an ad break because we're losing the plot. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tires. Escape with BF Goodrich Tires. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic, mobile living made easy. Whether you're on the road or out at sea, Dometic has you covered. Our special guest this morning is none other than the chef at the Geelong Footy Club. Been Ado. excited for Ado, haven't you? Oh, very excited for Ado. Ado Millman. Good morning, Ado. Morning, Paddy. How are you, mate? Going well. Now, Ado, this morning we want to bust a few myths around um, preparation when it comes to cooking fish. And some of the fears, I think people have when preparing fish but before we get into that a little bit of background on yourself you grew up in the Colac region of fished a lot down there um, so it's not just something you, you don't just spend time preparing fish you love fishing itself don't you yeah yeah but a lot of people don't know that I was you know just outside of my apprenticeship I was uh, fortunate enough to work for Jean-Jacques who then was in the mid 80s perhaps the best seafood chef in Australia so through his techniques and preparation and um, uh, just just awareness of the species of fish and that, I was lucky to have learnt from him. So the simplicity of that is sort of applies to me today. So, yeah, I'm quite lucky to have had him on my life, yeah. Now, a, a big fish that's topical at the moment, but one that is really difficult for a lot of people to understand the preparation that goes into preparing it is tuna we're seeing great catches at the moment redmond right through yeah, southern Portland, yep. southern australia um how do you prepare tuna um people talk about you know icing it and cooling it as quickly as you possibly can but when it comes to preparation what are the keys that you look for for sashimi and for a cooked meal too because uh, i'm not a big sashimi eater so if you could cover both ado that'd be absolutely unreal okay for one for one we'll start it's caught it's in the boat it's it's bled, it's gutted, it's iced, right? Pretty much. Yep. Now I think what a lot of people 
do wrong is that in terms of the larger of the animal, let's say a body of beef or a body of lamb, they will hang that for a week for it to set. Now, small fish is sort of okay, you know, to fill it sort of that day, but a tuna itself should really theoretically be, you know, at that three degrees in the refrigerator after that for a few days for it to set. So when it's filleted, it's, it's feathering off the bone really easy. The actual meat itself is firmer. So if, uh, what I see is a lot of people filleting on the table when the fish is warm. It curls, it's sort of um, a bit jellyfied and that. So, you know, there, there, there is nothing sort of wrong with that, but to do it and let it rest is, is far better. So to me, that's, that's um, you've got a really good fillet of tuna then. Then um, you can, the sashimi side of that, a good aged soy, cutting it quite thin. I was in Japan a few years ago and they cut their tuna a little bit thicker they have a nice soy and um, with a little bit of wasabi. Um, I won't get into that, but there's, it's very hard to find true wasabi in Australia. It's really it's a mixture of just horseradish and um, uh, yeah, another another ingredient. Yeah, I'll do so, that in a minute. So. You know, a lot of people would think if you're going to sashimi fish, you've got to just do it straight away and cut it straight off the fish as fresh as you possibly can. So that's not the case. You actually want to um, let it set almost for a few days and then yeah, definitely. cut it up. Yeah, the shelf lot, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's letting that set and then just uh, – but there's nothing wrong. You, you can eat. There's, there's nothing wrong but to have that, that, that quality of that. So the good chefs in Japan actually let that fillet rest. You know, it will, it will actually – that fish will – let's say it's caught in Okinawa, it will go to the Tokyo markets. And before it actually hits the table of that uh, filleting from that chef, that's, that's three days old already. So um, that fish is nice and set, and then of, of which they then um, uh, get their good sashimi fish. Like, like in our waters, we'd be having uh, yellowtail kingfish now. That's beautiful. Like even blue white travella. They're, they're good sashimi fish, and we're, we can readily get those. So, so the notion yeah, and around even, even, even our salmon. So the yeah. notion around fresh fish—that's not a totally accurate saying, Ben. No, no, it can be, we can eat too fresh. So in terms of restraint, we should actually be, like, I remember at Jean-Jacques, like the whiting would come in, um, you know, from a fisherman in the back, back door. We would scale that, but we would just leave that in the fridge for a day. And then we would, like rigor mortis would set in, and then we would then fillet that. And, you know, you get a, a really good fillet. So as you know, if you catch a whiting straight from that, uh, into the boat and fill it. It's going to curl a little bit, so it's um it's just just that preparation of of of, uh, of filleting, I suppose. But there is nothing wrong with fishermen doing that or anyone. But you know, I think that the, the best fillet you can actually get is that of a rested fish. Yeah. What about uh, when we're going to cook a bluefin tuna or a yellow uh, yellowtail kingfish? Something along those lines. A lot of people like it pink in the middle, like I like my steak. Now. How do you monitor the temperatures to keeping the even balance through that bit of flesh? Well, the the thickness of the steak should be like the width of 
say, a matchbox, right, of which your fry pan is medium to high, uh, olive oil in that, dust your fish with some just some plain flour, and then just throw that in, get a nice golden brown, of which, and, and with like a steak, you let that rest, and you'll be finished with a beautiful medium fish. So it's it's... It's got all the juices and everything locked in. And, and the reason why um, it's cooked like that, it's because when it becomes dry, it's not as as um, uh, satisfying as that as a, 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 a medium, medium rare sort of um, tuna steak. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of the most popular fish in Australia, whiting, snapper, Australian salmon, which are easier to catch. Just preparation tips around those fish. Let's start with Australian salmon, which a lot of people don't actually love eating. I'm a fan of it. Aaron, you're not. No, I'm not. No. But secrets to maximising the flavour of, of that specific fish? Well, well, that's, that's a fish that should be eaten quite quick because it's quite a... Uh, it's an oily fish and like that of uh, sardines and things like that. So I like it caught. Bled and then either that day or that next day, um, cut it into chunks, leave it on the bone, just cut it into big chunks, flour it, uh, grill it, and um, whack it with some onions, tomatoes, salt, pepper, olive oil in, in the oven, cover that, and it falls off the bone, and it's the most, and then just hit that with a squeeze of lemon. It's the most beautiful fish to eat, and then it does sort of, it becomes a bit, uh, uh, what's the word? A, a couple of days later, it becomes a bit strong in its flavour, so it's best to be eaten quite fresh. Quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, but but in terms of whiting and snapper and that, we we haven't we, and and blue eyed traveller. There are there are, there's an element that a lot of people don't think of that in making a fish stock. They're the best bones to have. So yeah. from those white fish, so they're, they're, that's a really good byproduct of your filleting too, which we, yeah, it's to make good risottos and fish stocks and soups and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Ada, just, Ada, I've got a quick one for you. Now, I'm a qualified chef too, Pat, in my kitchen. <laughs> in my kitchen. So uh, something, that I, something that I really enjoy cooking is a, um, is a nice bit of gummy sharks, a nice bit of flake. Yep. Can you please take me through the secrets of getting a nice crispy batter? People really struggle bringing out the crispiness in a batter like they have in a fish and chip shop. Can you please go through the temperatures, like setting your flour to the to the uh, putting in the freezer before you actually put the fish in it towards send it to the fry pan? Like, how do you actually get the crispiness? You want to know all the secrets? Come on, mate. <laughs> well, well, there's no, and I'm going to share this, and this is mine, and it's foolproof, and it's that simple. It's it's unmuck up. You can't muck it up. I was going to use unmuck up, but it's not such a word. How much, anyway, paper, well, how much paper do I need? This is I'm writing it down. <laughs> no, it's only two things. Two ingredients. Right, two. It's, water, it's water and self-raising flour, of self-raising. which you add a little bit of, just let's say, three cups of water to a bowl, cold water. You add a little bit of self-raising flour, whisking that till you get an oily consistency, like... Um, yeah, to that of a, uh, so it coats your finger, right? Of which you've got your pan on, you've got some good oil in there, whether it's rice bran oil or sunflower oil, and then you flour your fillet of gummy shark, which is uh, a thickness, say half the thickness of your 
finger, flour that, dip that in your batter, wipe that, the excess off, lay that into your pan, and that will crisp up and give you a really crisp, thin batter. And it, it doesn't actually hold oil either. So you've got a really clean, crispy, golden brown bit of uh, fish. Ado, thoughts, yeah. thoughts on uh, beer batters. Now, that's probably the most common thing. If you spoke to people that cooked, uh, anyone that cooked flake pack, they'd probably say, I'll have beer battered, uh, beer battered flake. Thoughts on types of beers and the reason that they, people would use a beer? Yeah, just a paley type beer. You don't want it too strong because the, the, the thing that I've been taught about fish, you never overmask the flavour of the fish itself. So the word restraint to me is probably the key thing in that to add too much, you're destroying that flavour and you're wrecking a really good piece of protein. So keep it simple, just cook it in flour or poach it or whack it in the oven, but then add your lemon, salt and pepper and that sort of stuff to it last. But what I see people, and I've eaten, they, they crucify it with adding herbs that don't marry with that fish too. So tarragon is actually a very good fish and parsley to actually add to that, but very other few herbs, you know, like so. Yeah, there are, um, uh, the question you ask, I got a little bit sidetracked from there. No, it's good. I've been, should, this is the most intrigued I've been since our, <laughs> our this is actually our 100th show today, Pat. It so is. This, this is on the most intrigued I've been in 100 shows, I think. Well, it's, it's <laughs> nice and, and it likes to keep it simple because you, a lot of people, they, they make the mistake, as you said, of, of just adding too much. But like good tradesmen and things like that, I think that it's all about breaking it into its air and, 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 and each step you do, it's simple, you've done it right and then you then have a really good piece of fish at the end. But I think that people become too adventurous at a dinner party, they want to show off, but, but really the best thing is actually keeping it simple and mastering the way of a good pan-fried piece of fish or, or just uh, even cooking a piece of fish on your barbecue with the lid down or something like that. You don't even need foil and, and you don't even need to wrap a fish in foil. You don't, like, let's say it's a snapper. Well, let's say we don't even gut it. If it's a small little table fish, we'll throw that in the coals, cover it with coals, pull that out, dust off that. The skin comes off, the guts shrivel up, and then you've got a beautiful piece of um, snapper and you just hit that with a little bit of lemon and salt and pepper. It's it's beautiful, and you suck the bones, and they've got they're juicy. So, yeah, we don't we don't really like we 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 go too far. But really, in front of us is the most simplest of things of like whole fish, simple batters, and simple pan frying. And even when we're out back or anything like that, those techniques still should apply in terms of the quality of the end result that we're going to deliver to the table. Yeah. Beautiful work. Ado, really appreciate you coming on Real Adventures this morning and for all the work you do supporting the Geelong Footy Club. Thanks again, mate. Nah, thanks, Paddy. No worries. And I'll, I'll see you for lunch. I'll cook your lunch, what, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, isn't it? So, yeah. Looking for, looking forward to that too. And I get, and I'll get an invite to that one no too. Worries. No worries. No, no, you won't. I never miss those days. <laughs> thanks, Ado. <laughs> Thanks for the chat, fellas. See you, Thanks, fellas. Thanks, mate. Bye. See ya. That was All Aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy.
Now it's time for Reg Review for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres. Now, during the week, Pat, I had a, a ripper message. Now, this is a review that's going to hopefully help a lot of anglers. I'm going to cover as much as I possibly can in species side of things. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to review this question from, I'm going to get his name here, Davey Sierra. Yep. Sorry, Instagram Davey post. Sierra, yep. yeah, so, question for the show. Bait. Always a problem for me when I when boat fishing. How much do I bring? I always find myself bringing overkill and wasting so much bait at the end of the day. When it's time to head in, any tips of tricks how uh, much bait to bring out or rule of thumb to bait supplies on a boat trip to give it to on any given day? Because it's expensive. I'm oh, t- I'm so t- expensive. Every and it's not getting any cheaper. Like the smaller the the packet you buy of, of bait. The, the more expensive it is. it is. Bag of pippies. How much at the local servo? How much do you think? Kilo it's, bag of pippies. Oh, the Fifteen last... to eighteen bucks, Pat. That's just crazy. Why do you like, think I'm you... sitting here with no clothes on? <laughs> <laughs> jeez, you want. <laughs> jeez, you want to be catching a lot of fish though. Like for how much you're spending on? Bait, I do. Oh, then no. you're fu- <laughs> then you're fueling up the boat. You know, you've got your time that is, you know, it's precious. I have done. It's nu- a tough one. I have done numerous videos on this on um on the Soul Guide website, Pat. On preparing yourself for the day. Do you know why? Because this question is a cracker. Happens all the time. Happens yep. every single day. And so let's let's review it. Bait. I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to stick really I'm going to stick to um, the common ones that I fish for just because I know it back to front. Right. So I'm going to start with whiting. If I go whiting fishing and there's four people on a boat. So yourself, John Boy, Squidly and myself head out. Yep. I'm going to take three bags of kilo pippies. I've worked out now that in a whiting session, I'll use not quite a bag each. Yep. I've just worked it out. And depends on the area of fishing. Some you just want to continually yep. have that burly running, don't you? Yeah, the, and the burly as well. So pilchards, so I, buy, I buy two blocks of pilchards, and I always take out, every single time I fish, I take for whiting, I take six calamari tubes out. Yep. Now, what I do, though, is I only defrost as I go. Yeah. So, yep. so if you do finish up for I'm a day, not wasting anything. Yeah. Not wasting. I've got the cool bucks and the stabby craft, and I, I, honest to God, I just only bring out what I use. Now, I'll start with one bag. So I run my live bait tank. Yep. This is for the whiting. I'll chuck the pippies in the live bait tank on the way to the spot. I have the pippies in there. I have a bag of pilchards in there, and I have two calamari in there. Everything else is still frozen. Yeah. This is for four people. Now, as I'm fishing, that one bag of pippies will start to get light. If there's pickers around, pinkies and, and the likes, then you might straight away pull another bag out because you don't want to ever be sitting there wasting your time getting bait ready, when it, like waiting for it to defrost if the whiting are going. So being smart. But the key to that is keeping it frozen because you're not going to waste it. You can go home and pop it in the freezer. Another That's, that's a really important thing too is having a freezer at home is – a lot of people I know, and I don't know about yourself. You've got a little. Fr- you actually, you actually haven't got a massive uh, freezer at home for your bait. You got the under your under your refrigerator one. Yep. Having a bit of storage for your bait is going to save you money. Now, my free. I have three freezers. I, I'm loaded up, ready to go. Just because I got burly in one, I got bait whole baits in one. I got burly to be made in another. I, I've got to be organised. This is my job. If I'm going out snapper fishing, once again, I only use what I'm going to only use what I'm. Uh, Sorry, defrost what I'm going to use. Yeah. So I have a bag of pilchards. That, uh, it might be an older bag that's ready for burley. I'll defrost the whole thing because I'll use that for burley if I'm going to burley for snapper. But as I'm doing the baits for pilchards and such, when you get to the boat ramp and you park your boat on the side of the pier, Pat, 
Smash your block of pilchards if they're not equally on the ground. Drop them on the ground. They will break off into individual pieces. Now, I put the whole block away then. And what I do is I'll pull 10 pillies out at a time and I'll let them defrost in a bucket just by themselves. But the others are still frozen, Pat. They're still frozen. Yep. The tubes I'll use, once again, just pull two or three tubes out. Take. You always want to take more than what you're going to use, but you don't want to let it defrost. And I think that's the biggest key, key to keeping your bait um, ready to go and not wasting money. Um, freezer burn. You always seal the bait that you've got. I, cry, I cryvac yep. everything. Dometic have a great range of uh, cryvacs uh, uh, tools. They got the uh, they've got the machine itself, yep. and they've also got the uh, cryvac uh, vacuum sealed bags too. So check it out on the website uh, at Dometic there because they have, I'm really pleased with their with their stuff. Uh, yep. It works for me, and if I if it's worked for me for so long, then it's probably going to work for you because I flog it. I absolutely flog it out. I've got bags as big as your arms, or some as big as your legs. So I use them every <laughs> single day. So if you, when you're taking your bait out, the, the, the basic cover of the whole review is to use what, uh, sorry, take out what you think you're going to use, but don't defrost it all. That was Red's Review. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? You're listening to Real Adventures for the BF Goodrich TAKM3. Built to climb, made to mud, and created to conquer. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres. Tommy Stewart's just landed on the ground, which is terrific. <laughs> Redman, he's been up there all week. Just one of the biggest screamers you've ever seen. It's just extraordinary. Was a, he was pretty... I was at the game, and it was... Smack bang right, right in front, in front of, me. of you. He was. I was on the second level, and he was just in front of my eyes. Merrick O'Connor <laughs> just standing there, but he was very happy with himself. Ah, uh, as you would be if you got that high. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I reckon we could do as well for this segment just then? Imagine like an ACD thunderstruck comes in there, and then it goes, "Good rich tires." I'm not sure our budget at Real Adventures allows for an Akadaka sort of intro, but hey, we'll put it to the, we'll put it to our producer, and we'll see what we come back with. Uh, Red's tip for New Age Caravans: visit your New Age Caravan dealer today. Start your summer adventure with New Age Caravan. NewAgeCaravans.com.au. Redman, we yes. spoke about uh, bait and just how prep. much to take out the prep behind it. Um, you're going to talk about Burley, the tricks of it, but also the traps. So we're going to cover a bit of whiting now. Like I've spoke about, started the last couple of shows, about this water temperature changing. And you've spoken about how there's some great fish to be caught at the moment. There is. And the, the whole, it's about being smart when you're fishing. And Burleying is, I think, one of the most important things in fishing. And it's not as, and what I mean by that is it's not that important sometimes to have it in the water. There's times not to, and there's times when to. Yep. And one of those species I'm going to cover now uh, is going to be with snapper. And, you, uh, sorry, not snapper, I just lied to you. It's whiting. <laughs> but the whiting, so we're coming to the, it's going to be red hot, and I'm yep. getting hundreds and hundreds of messages about this, the pinkies. Yep. The pinkies are still in Port Phillip Bay. Do not ask me why, because they shouldn't be there. But they're clean. They're slowly. They are filtered out. There's marks now that aren't holding them, which is freaking awesome to say so myself because they've destroyed the start of my whiting season. But burling for them it can be an absolute killer yep. uh, for uh, for whiting with the pinkies coming because in. they just all of a sudden swarm. Yeah. So yep. what you're gonna do this season for the whiting coming into Port Phillip Bay uh, and, and and even everywhere offshore fishing too. Everywhere you are for for whiting. Now what you want to do is catch fish first. 
because pull up on a mark. Now, during the week, I went and did so an you investigation. So you have your marks that you have, you know, that you've always gone yeah, to. Yeah, which I do. Find I've got, them first. I've got yep. 20 marks that I go to, bang, 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 in a routine. That's where I start, and that's where yep. I finish regarding the title strengths and the moon phase. Yep. Now, I pull up on a mark, and the first thing I do is a lot of people will put the burly in. And I used to say this, get your burly in straight away. There's certain areas I do do that if I know there's fish there. St. Leonard's being one of them because the tide's not as strong. But fishing Queenscliff to pe- compared to St. Leonard's, if I don't know where there's fish are, I still want to catch fish first. Chuck my rods in, the first thing that goes in. A lot of time with whiting, you'll get one within the first 15 seconds, Pat. Chuck your rods out. If you get a fish or two, get the burly in. There's no point in pulling up on a mark, dropping the burly in straight away, and then all of a sudden... There's 500 pinkies behind your boat. The whiting just don't have a chance. Mm. Where if your whiting come in, you can get the school to come in. They will feed harder than what the pinkies will. Because there's, they just come in and they, just, they do do that. The whiting will shut the pinkies down. But if the whiting move away, then the pinkies will destroy and the Swarm. other pinkies. Yeah. Yep. So what you've got to be smart on where you're burling. So find your fish first. If you're going out for a mako as such for burley... You put your burly in. The first thing you do is put your burly in. That's the most crucial thing because the shark's going to come to you. Yep. Whether whiting, find them first and then burly. Patrick? That, that was Reg Tip for New Age Caravans, the flying gaff. Now, this is sort of a bit of a return serve because it's going to. You, you'll get stuck up, into me about whinging a few weeks Well, back. I was. And I under. Well, you've been whinging a lot around um, <laughs> looking after the facilities that you've got. Yep. And if you do clean your fish, just clean up after yourself. And after fishing during the week, it's safe to say that um, if you are going to go to a ramp, all you need to do after you've clean, after you've cleaned your fish on a public facility, just clean up after yourself. It's not that difficult to do. 80% of boats have a scrubber on them, Pat. 80% oh of boats. Everyone has a scrubber on their boat. Take it to the freaking table. There's nothing... Oh. There's nothing... Like, I love the smell of fish. I don't love the smell of three-day-old fish that's just been sitting on And them. just scales that are dried. Like, you want to lay your fish down nicely. Like, I take my own little chopping block and it really... Shits me, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> um, Redmond, it's time for us to go fishing. It is pretty damn freezing, so just mind the train tracks on the way out. This has been Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? We're going fishing. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91